0: MailChimp presents.
1: Ever heard of a customer? You know, it's when marketers group all their customers, regardless of their different behaviors, into one big mess. But with MailChimp, you can use real-time behavior data to personalize emails for every customer, based on their browsing and buying behavior, turning your customers into customers. Intuit Mailchimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands, publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. The Jump is a podcast where I, Shirley-Ann Manson, sit down with musicians and talk about the one song that changed everything. When the legend, that is George Clinton, got out of his car on the day of this interview, he looked like a magnificent cartoon superhero and it all seemed completely natural. George and I talked about everything from him growing up in the shadow of Motown to how he constructed the band and the songs that would eventually place him amongst the absolute legends of modern music. It was a magical experience and I absolutely loved every minute of him. He is so sharp. And so engaging and so humble. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the king of funk, Mr. George Clinton. George Clinton, thank you so much for sitting down with me this afternoon.
2: Good to be here.
1: I'm um, a little freaked out. Looking across at you in all your splendor.
2: Ah, oh, don't worry about it. I don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> you do not disappoint. Let's leave well, it at that.
2: Okay, good. I'm glad I do that. And you over that sounding like Bobby Gillespie.
1: <laughs> I'd love to sound like Bobby Gillespie. <laughs> that's my
2: boy. Well, we used to have the hardest time understanding each other, yeah. but we communicated very well.
1: Well, your hearts are coming from a similar place, of course. Okay, that's you know? what it
2: Primer scream. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was listening to your music then I'm like this is spiritual music it's motivational it's reaching for something
2: well that that was the 60s it was all about kahil Garan and the prophet and you know all of that lofty thinking sp- thinking that was it and it's real even though commercials and things take over and pretty much run shit I always felt that that we evolving that stuff comes in handy, and if you can keep a taste of it in the insanity that's going on, if you get it's like prayers. Sure. It's like church. So was this
1: a deliberate choice, like you wanted? Well, it's this... my version
2: of church or whatever you want. Yeah. to I mean, I'm not gonna. I didn't go to church to be no gospel singer. It was the philosophy in you know dreaming. A lot of it was really real. I might have took it too long. I didn't think about the money until really lately when I realized. I got to leave some for my heirs and all of that. Then I started taking care of business and getting the copyright issues and all really? that stuff. Yeah. Nothing that mattered to me but just getting the spaceship off the ground and getting it out there. I can come back and clean it up later, I always thought.
1: Yeah. Did you feel like a hippie?
2: I wanted to be. I was too old already. Oh, do shut By up. By the time we got there, when you was 24, you was already too old. So <laughs> did
1: you feel like a square?
2: Not a square, cause we felt hipper than all of them. We saw what they was, <laughs> we saw what they was doing, reaching for, us, but we had to sneak into it. You can't just come in, and burst in like you know everything, cause then you are a square.
1: But you are a rebel, right? Yeah,
2: rebels. Yeah, that's why we put on stuff. Y'all ain't really hippies. We gonna show you how to be hippies for real. Put on a diaper. Put on a sheet.
1: And were you aware that you were freaking people out?
2: Yeah, we used to pride ourselves on chasing them out the club. I mean that was part of it And I end up looking at myself 50 years later You're still a hippie (laughs) You know
1: (laughs) Yeah So the purpose of this show is to talk about A moment in an artist's creative life Where you're taken somewhere different By your own creativity Your own sort of look Into what you can do And what's possible And you have picked Chocolate City Where were you in your life when you wrote Chocolate City?
2: But it's a D.C. song. I was writing about D.C. I was in Detroit during that time. We'd done Up for the Downstroke, and that was, okay, we can get into R&B, like James Brown or like Sly Stone. With the Chocolate City, the subject matter was someplace that you never pictured blacks before. Chocolate City, which was D.C. And the people, you know, the, the um, Richard Pride uh, Aretha Franklin, all the current people that was... Happening at that time. Imagining like, them in the White yeah, House. Yeah, imagine them in the White House.
0: What the house would be like? Richard Pryor, Minister of Education. Stevie Wonder, Secretary of Fine Arts. And Miss Aretha Franklin, the First Lady. Are you out there, CC?
2: It sounded like a DJ talking. We had popular DJs back then. You know, Frankie Crocker's and the Fat Daddies in Baltimore, and Washington, and all. DJs was like a, a second mayor. They could call the community out. They could get everybody together. We are seven acknowledged wonders of the world. You are about to be entertained by the eighth, the young man
0: who has become a legend in his own time, Soul Finger, Agent Double O Soul. It's the Frankie Crocker Show.
2: Do it, Frankie. Do it to it. Uh, Shock it to me, mama. Say, baby, this is an album that's bound to put more dips in your hips, more cut in your and more glide in your stride. If you don't dig it, you know you've got a hole in your soul. Don't eat chicken on Sunday. Push, girl. Other cats be laughing and joking. Frankie Crocker steady taking care of business, cooking and, and by the time I got to Mothership, they started cutting down on DJs talking, and DJs started showing up in the clubs. That became the radio and it wasn't but a few, two or three years later before they actually started making records doing that, talking over somebody else's record.
1: Is that how you wrote Chocolate City, by talking over it, a track? Or yeah. It...
2: Sometimes I'd talk while they was cutting, and I left it on there because I did most of it on the fly, and I just left it on there. But it was
1: all improvised? Yeah,
2: most of that, yeah. I knew the topic, the subject matter, so but it was easy to just talk shit over time, especially if it's a cool track. You just get into the flow of it, and it's almost like a preacher. W-E-F-U-N-K. We funk. (laughs) Home of the extraterrestrial brothers. Dealers of funky music. P-funk. Uncut funk. The bomb. Coming to you directly from the top of the chocolate milkway. 500,000 kilowatts of P-funk power. Kick back. Dig. While we do it to you in your ear hole. I'm known as Lollipop Man. Elliot's the long-haired sucker. And my motto is, make my funk to be funk. Uncut, don't step on my funk, it's the bomb. Amazing.
0: Oh, what's happening, CC? They still call it the White House, but that's a temporary condition too. Can you dig it, CC? Mm-hmm. To each his reach, and if I don't cop it ain't mine to have. But I'll be reaching for you. Cause I love you, CC. Right on. There's a lot of chocolate cities around. We've got Newark, we've got Gary. Somebody told me we got LA. Yeah. And we're working on Atlanta. But you're the capital. City.
1: When you finished the track, did you know it was special?
2: Oh, yeah. By then, we had gotten out of trying to make singles. We came from that rock and roll. Of albums, like jazz albums, gospel albums, and rock and roll, didn't have to have hit records. Jimi Hendrix didn't have no hit singles. His whole album was hits. His licks was hit off each yeah. song. So when you did it like that, you didn't have to be in that day-to-day competition with who's on the chart who's not on the chart. They called it underground.
1: So what did the record company say when you presented it?
2: But we had just got with a company called Casablanca Records, which was near Bogart. He had Kiss, Donna Summers, wow. the village people. All of us was controversy. Yeah. So he, But he already had his army together to promote it. All the pop stations loved him. But when he got us, I told him we got our first hit record, uh, Tell the Roof Off. You ain't got to give me the money, buy me a spaceship. <laughs> Once he got the spaceship, it was the best prop. Cause now I'm able now
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on. What do you mean
2: When once you got the spaceship? He gave me the finance. Uh-huh. Instead of giving me my royalties. The, gave me some money. He gave the bank, gave me the money. And I had the spaceship built in New York. On Broadway, where they would do Broadway plays, the spaceship became one big promotion. So I finally got with somebody who could promote the way that... You saw it. That I saw, especially if I was doing something strange.
1: Was Bernie Worrell your co-writer with Chocolate City?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Bernie Warrell and, is it, yeah, Bernie Bootsy.
1: And how, so, how did that work? Well, so I, you play I, this I wrote try most that.
2: of the lyrics. You know, and you sing them, right? And we I sang them, them yeah. pretty much back then. And that was usually the songwriter. But I cherished, you know, the band members so much that I wanted them to, to be a Participate, part. Participate, yeah. Participate. So, if they participated and it became like the foundation of a song. You know, most musicians, you pay them for the session and they expect to contribute what they do so to get the next session. But I like, they special. Yeah. They should get part of the song. We can all be, if, even if I did it or you did it, We the three of us was partners, Bootsy, Bernie, and myself, on the songs we did together.
1: Did you have a vision, or like you say, you just were in the studio and you freestyled? I, kn- I, I just
2: knew that one was going to work. You know, just my job was just to stay out of the way of the track. I could talk shit, but just don't get in the way of the track with too much. And Chocolate City was that one I could actually talk some really profound stuff. Really, what's happening, CC? You know, street talk and just do that, but stay out of the way of the music.
0: A blood to blood, a players to ladies. The last percentage count was 80. You don't need the bullet when you got the ballot. Are you up for the downstroke, CC? <laughs> Chocolate City. Are you with me out there?
2: And what I had learned in Motown how to write a straight song, you know. And you were
1: a writer from Motown, right? Staff writer.
2: Yeah. So coming out of that, seeing all those writers and producers, that was to me was the best school of music that ever was.
1: Now you don't play an instrument, is that correct? Right. See, this blows my mind that you're this so accomplished, and yet you don't actually play anything.
2: Well, I pay attention to what each one of them do. So, of course, so, I mean, you know, so it's basically like a rain, like in a producer, a director, a ranger. I'm just equipped with who can do what, and I bring those elements together with each other. And a lot of the ones I do is people that wouldn't even get together themselves with each other, you know, because sure. they just. Going the opposite ways, but they would come together for me. Our band was like our little brothers. We had taught them in the the neighborhood um, community center. They drums and guitars when they first picked them up. So Billy Nelson was. The, he was the guitar player at first. He didn't know what a guitar was. He had to get him one. He'd take it apart and couldn't even put it together again. But by the time we got on the road, he was the first musician. By the time we get back home, he got his friend Eddie Hazel. And so they just ran in and out of the barbershop all the while. We was there. But now we had a little band. All they had to play was the chords, basically. You know, it's like um, Duke Ellington, George Duke, Frank Zappa. They brought people together. You know, the same thing is happening now with hip-hop. Mm-hmm. They do features on each other's record. When I did that, I tried to have different musicians all in the same band.
1: And a lot of... Uh... Positivity. In
2: always fun. Right? It's got to be fun. And by having those young kids in the band, that kept us a generation behind us. I realized from then on, it was always about get somebody to influence you from a generation behind you, from what you just did. Once it was Eddie, Billy, and Tiki and all them, the next set was their little brothers, was Gary Scheider. Cordell Mawson, they were all from the same city, mm-hmm. so, Plainfield, New Jersey. So we would always reached back and they was kids, you know, that sparked something new in us.
1: Where does all this enthusiasm come from? Were you taught to be enthusiastic? Did you practice being enthusiastic? I mean, you are an enthusiast. It's dripping out of you in every oh. way.
2: <laughs> I don't know, I think just liking what you're doing in, in music and seeing so many good people doing it, I'm never satisfied. As soon as I hear somebody doing what you say, I feel like I ain't done nothing. I'm ready to start over again.
1: Throughout your career, it seems to me, well, you're incredibly ambitious. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Still? I'm a Leo. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, no, no. That explains
1: everything. No, you got
2: to... You got to you got to have an ego, but you got to know when to tell it to go sit down.
1: But you obviously sit on your ego a lot because you're so oh, generous to other people. I know,
2: yeah, but I got one, believe me. Yeah, you tough to. I, I have to tell myself I can go in the bathroom and I make fun of it. Because I can tell myself in the bathroom, you're a bad motherfucker, you're the greatest. But I make sure I'm in the bathroom oh. so I can flush that shit before I leave. Because <laughs> there's somebody out there waiting to tell you, you ain't shit.
0: But you're the capital. breath all up around your neck <laughs> hey cc they say you jive and game and can't be changed but on the positive side you're my piece of the rock and i love you cc And you dig it hey uh we didn't get our 40 acres and a mule but we did get you cc <laughs> yeah
1: Is this an example, because I wasn't familiar really with the term Afrofuturism, is this, would this be an example? We didn't
2: even call it that then.
1: But would you call it Uh, that now? Yes,
2: that was ours. That belonged to us. Afrofuturism. P-Funk been doing it. A lot of the jazz fusion things been doing it. Then Sun Ra was out there. So... Jimmy Hendrix, they lived in outer space, as far as I was concerned. So it wasn't no futurism. It was present.
1: Sure. Are you proud of what you've done? I mean, if, not many people can say that they basically were one of three or four people who created a genre in music. Oh, yeah.
2: Because now we knew we was going through something. Something
1: that big, though? Yeah,
2: because Motown was doing that. I also worked in New York. I worked on the Brill Building. So I had a chance to see the New York version, the Phil Spector's... The tokens and all of the New York version, uh, Carole King, Don Kirshner, i seen from the New York side of it. Then you see the Beatles in the stacks. You know all the possibilities of what can happen here. And then knowing that the business, who's running the company, has just as much. You can have the greatest musician in the world. If they never heard or promoted, nobody never know about them. And we prided ourselves, we wanted to be the continuation of Motown. Because we were late getting there, we wanted to let them know we had that other side that they didn't have. They were slick and everything. We could have been the other side of it because music flipped to the other side of it. It flipped to being funky wild. You know, and wild. And with the theory that we're not trying to get a hit record as much as we just want to be so interesting you want to see it. Mm-hmm. Then Beatles and all of that, we, we was going to be all of that.
1: So, what's next? What do you do like? I need to do this now. Well, I've got the vigor.
2: Well, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. We, The last two albums that we put out, Shake the Gate and the Medicaid Fraud Dog, we sell out everywhere we go now. And those two records, people, again, we're underground. It's like Maggot Brain. It was never a hit record, but it's been a standard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, you're not quitting?
2: Not for a minute. Good. Yeah, I'm going to have to go a, a little longer you know my new slogan is it was easier to quit crack than it is to quit the rose
1: and then finally I just want to congratulate you on your lifetime achievement award that you're about to be gifted next year long overdue Mm -hmm. right
2: yeah they just gave it to you the other day
1: thank you so much it's been an absolute thrill cool thank you excellent The Jump is an original series from MailChimp and I'm your host Shirley Manson it's produced by Lyra Smith in partnership with Little Everywhere. Executive produced by Dan Gallucci, Jane Marie, and Rushikesh Hirwe. Original music composed by Rushikesh Hirwe.